Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. When I woke up this morning and I I rolled over and pulled up the uh, Twitter feed and I saw that that cross at the front of uh, the the towers of Notre Dame had had survived the fire last night, uh, I kind of had like a a throwback to Ground Zero. Remember when they found that cross in the Ground Zero ruins and it kind of... Uh, I don't know. There was something very kind of comforting about that to me. And uh, I made that my my social media icon today. And some other people have done the same. But there's a lot of really interesting commentary about the fire that I want to point you to. Uh, My very good colleague and friend, Dennis Prager, uh, right here, uh, authored a great piece in townhall.com this morning, as did my next guest. Um, He is a fellow at the National Review Institute. He is a a top editor at National Review. Uh, He's an Iraq vet, and he is someone that uh, I perceive to be a straight shooter on the uh, political stuff, even if we don't always agree on everything and have had our disagreements in the past. But I appreciate his work and his diligence in uh, um, always uh, speaking what I perceive uh, is the truth. And David French, welcome back to Kevin McCullough Radio. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Your, uh, your piece today, Notre Dame Burns and the Church Weeps, I think is another, like it, the, the, yours and Prager's pieces, I think, are must-reading for everybody that has uh, had some sort of moment of sadness in the last 24 hours. David, I was shocked when I got home, my four-year-old, who has only heard about Paris from the exploits of her mom and dad, we went in October last year and first time, 15th wedding anniversary, etc. You know, the kids were all on the couch watching the fire as it was still burning, you know, well into the dinner hour here on the East Coast. And um, they all were extraordinarily sad. It was like a family member had died in slow motion and, and they couldn't uh, respond to it. What do you what do you kind of chalk that up to, David French? Yeah, you know, I think it, 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 several things. I mean, one, so many people have been there or know somebody who's been there. So when, when something happens and you have a personal connection to it, right? It, it impacts you in a – it impacts you differently. I know for me, I mean, I had a personal connection to Notre Dame and that, you know, I, I, was, I was married in Paris on March 9th, 1996, and I began the day praying – in the cathedral, and, and I'm a Protestant. I came from a, a very uh, sort of low church Protestant tradition where the churches I grew up in were extremely plain. I mean, we didn't even have right. crosses. Right, yep, I was right there with you, buddy, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and to walk in, but to walk into the cathedral and to kneel there and to pray, I didn't just, you know, feel close to God in that place. I felt connected to the historic faith, to the countless millions of people who walked through those doors over eight centuries yeah. and prayed. Not often. dissimilar to an experience that you might have in Jerusalem or in Galilee or in exactly. one of those places today. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, I've been to the Western Wall, and it's just a profoundly moving place to be. And so to see that, and it's that connect, it's not just a beautiful building, it's the connection to the sacred. It's the use of these immense talents um, to, and some lost knowledge, quite frankly, to to glorify God. And I think it's that sacred connection con- combined with this sort of personal connection that really made it so poignant to so many people. I, I know I was 
I was really shocked at the extent to which it, I just felt grief as yeah. you saw the, the flames consume it. I was in my studio yesterday, turned on the, uh, the screen and as it went by and it's one thing when you've been to Paris and you're like, oh, look, Notre Dame's on TV. Uh, there's almost this joy, this like, uh, you know, uninhibited joy that you see. And then you realize that it's on fire and burning to the ground. And then the news comes that they're not going to be able to save it, most likely. And they think all the artifacts are gone. And it, there was some relief this morning that at least some of those uh, items were saved. But, um, yeah, just a, a really... Uh, I don't know. It, it wasn't it wasn't the same thing as 9-11 because 9-11 had the human tragedy and there were all there were yeah. all the lives lost. But on some level, there was an immense sadness across the globe last night that I think uh, uh, resonated, especially across Christian groups. But, you know, I even saw and Carol Markowitz is going to be with me in the next segment. One of my very, very close Jewish friends. And she said she tweeted out yesterday that, you know, it, she was especially sad for her Catholic friends. And I thought, well, that's nice that there's at least some solidarity and recognition in Western society that, you know, there's, you know, something being lost here. It is interesting that the news media almost immediately went to the cultural aspect of it and the the, the, the dollars and the art and the, you know, all that kind of stuff uh, about it when really some of the more significant things that we probably lost in that disaster yesterday was what you just expressed. Well, right. And, you know, look, uh, uh, we all know that the church is not a building. You saw that take on Twitter 50,000 times. Yesterday, everybody knows the church is not a building, of course. But, you know, there is a book of the Bible, the book of Lamentations, where Jeremiah looks at the wreckage of the holy city and the destruction of the temple. And, and it, there is a, an, a deep anguish at this loss. And, and you know, I think there is a, a, a real anguish at this damage here. And I, like you, uh, woke up this morning with a great deal of relief at some of the pictures from inside the cathedral, because it actually looks like while the the roof was destroyed, while the spire fell very dramatically, um, that a big section of the interior was saved, including some of the just absolutely irreplaceable stained glass windows. uh, I I don't know if you uh, saw this, but uh, Eric, I believe it was Eric Erickson tweeted, that a lot of these stained glass windows tell the gospel story and tell the story uh, and, and speak scripture so clearly that, you know, there were illiterate peasants in 14th and 13th century France who could look at these windows and look at the, the objects in the cathedral and have a more a better understanding of the basics of the gospel hmm. than many Americans do today. And a lot of that was preserved, which is just an absolute miracle. Yeah, no, that's that's really good news. And evidently, a couple of French billionaires have stepped up and they're going to try to make all this good. I'm sure that the committee that was putting that renovation in place would have appreciated their help long before yesterday, uh, because they were only doing a job that was valuable at about $7 million in terms of uh, total cost, and it's going to cost much more to rebuild it now, um, hopefully with a, a bit more uh, durability to it. David, uh, I so appreciate you being here. Let me let me shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about American headlines for a moment. Um, Bernie Sanders has surged past Joe Biden in polls uh, in the last 24 hours, uh, and they say that if Biden decides not to run, he's got more runway in front of him. Uh, as as you're assessing the kind of uh, I don't know the, the 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 groundwork for what 2020 is beginning to shape up like, 
Bernie Sanders was on Fox News for an hour last night uh, and and got pretty fair treatment uh, by all accounts. Um, what do you make of what we're seeing in the 2020 field and Sanders in particular, after we've heard so many like superhero stories of Beto and Carmala and all these other people that were going to you know surge to the front of the pack? What do you make of uh, Sanders' remaining strength? Yeah, so I, two things. One, uh, anyone who doesn't think he can win the Democratic primary needs to wake up and smell the coffee. And two, anyone who doesn't think he can win the presidency needs to wake up and smell the coffee. Because uh, the fact of the matter is, um, no matter who the Democrats nominate, they're going to have this enormous surge of unity behind them. Uh, that that much is true. And I think that we learned in 2016 that this business of sitting there and rooting for one side to select the least what you believe to be the least electable candidate is uh, can be a fool's errand. Um, you know, the Democrats were celebrating at the Republicans nominating Donald Trump until about 1030 p.m. on election night. Right. Uh, when they woke up and they said, oh, this guy that we thought was going to be easy, turns out that we couldn't beat him. And so a lot of Republicans think, oh, Bernie would be easy. You know, uh, let's rethink that. And and I think one of the reasons why you should rethink that is he alone went into Fox and he he went into Fox and he you could tell you, you could never say that Bernie in any way, shape or form sort of compromises his message. He doesn't. But what he does is he tries to reach new audiences with his message. Yeah. And that's what he did. And the interesting thing is he's gotten a lot of kudos from conservatives saying, hey, you know, props to him for going into the lion's den, so to speak. And he's gotten a lot of. Yeah, I think that may be a bit overblown. Fox isn't what it was um, a few years ago in that regard. But that is interesting. And I think you're right, David, because I do believe that his support is also still quite ticked off about having been cheated of the nomination. Because when I see the polling, like he never drops like everybody else has gone up and down. That 20 to 25 to 28, now almost 30 percent, that hasn't gone anywhere for him. David French, read him at the National Review. Thank you, sir, for your input and uh, reflections today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.